Welcome back to Raising Unicorns. I'm Benton Crane, and in today's episode, our most experienced ad buyers, Brett Ellsworth and Tom Broshinsky, tell you how you can stop your worst iOS 14 fears from coming true and actually boost your sales. Unicorns are real. In the past eight years, Harmon Brothers has helped raise five unicorns. Yes, that's five companies with a billion dollar valuation, with at least six more companies right on the cusp of becoming unicorns. Here on Raising Unicorns, we share the lessons we've learned to help you grow your business by tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. It's time to start raising a unicorn of your own. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're excited to have you. Tom is with me. Tom is our resident ad buyer here at Harmon Brothers. Tom, why don't you give us a quick intro, maybe a little bit of background on you and what you do. So a little bit of background on me, Tom Broshinsky, been with Harmon Brothers for a little over three years now, been in the digital marketing space for almost 10 years, and it's been a blast being with Harmon Brothers. I know, I feel old when I say I've been doing something for almost a decade. I think I have hit, uh, but yeah. You're still younger than me, so let's not push it, all right? <laughs> okay, fine. I won't push it. Okay. Okay, so you've been in digital marketing for 10 freaking years. So much. I mean, that's like, I don't know, 40 or 50 years in another industry, right? It feels like it. The fun thing, yet weird thing to say is that I feel like I have grown up with a lot of the digital marketing that has occurred during that time. Mm-hmm. When when I started and probably when you started in digital marketing, the idea of advertising on Facebook, the idea of advertising on Pinterest or Twitter was kind of non-existent or so far out there that people were like, oh yeah, when Facebook does this, if they do it, And I remember when Facebook first started rolling that out and here we are now, we've had clients where we've spent millions and managed millions and helped them generate millions more in sales all through Facebook. Yes, yes. I I mean, I remember when Facebook didn't even allow you to use video in ads. I mean, like there's been so, so, so many changes, right? I don't know how much of the audience is familiar with me, but I'm Britt Ellsworth. I've been with Harmon Brothers for, oof, actually not that much longer than you, Tom like three and a half years, but I'm on the marketing team. I was an ad buyer with Tom for a while. Now I do a lot more lead gen for Harmon Brothers, a lot more account-based marketing and a lot of messaging and writing. So that's kind of us. What we're going to talk about today is (laughs) such a pain-inducing topic, right? How we pivot with the iOS updates. So anyone who's been living under a rock, the quickest way to uh, explain this is basically Apple forced its app owners to give a prompt to its users to allow or disallow them to track off app. And this set in motion a series of events that has transformed the lives of advertisers everywhere. And so, Tom, can you give me a quick synopsis of what that has looked like? Maybe some back end or maybe some front end, depending on where you want to go with it. Of course. It has definitely rocked the digital marketing world in one way or another, not just on Facebook, but it just so happens that Facebook got the brunt of that privacy update. Facebook for a long time, for better or worse, was very pervasive in the amount of information that they tracked on people. So when Apple rolled out that update, it definitely impacted a lot of things. And and it was weird because when it first came out, 
no one knew what kind of impact it was going to make. Even Facebook, by their own admission, sitting through webinars with a variety of different Facebook reps, they were learning about it as much as we were on the fly. And it was very tumultuous while that was happening. But really on the back end, the best way that I have to explain it is before iOS 14.5, you had the pixel that was relaying data back and forth from your browser to the ad account to Facebook, it was almost like a taxi cab and it had like, let's say eight seats in it. And most of the time you were getting people in there, you were getting six, seven, sometimes eight seats relaying that data. But when the iOS update rolled out and people could opt out of being tracked, not only did it go from having you know, a minimum six seats filled. Instead, now it's maybe three, sometimes four seats filled. And there were times, and there are times now, where you may have to wait to get that data as well. So it's not only that you're getting the data, but sometimes it might have to wait three to five days. So it's really made significant impacts for Facebook marketers across the board on how they make decisions for what is and what is not working because that data got cut in half, but then also got delayed. So it has made impacts across the board with Facebook marketers. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. One of the biggest jobs of a media buyer is to make decisions in the ad account. What stays, what goes, what are we iterating on? What optimizations are we making? And when you lose that data, especially especially because it's inaccurate, right? We still have some data in there, but it's wrong. So it makes it really, really difficult to make good decisions. The human brain does not like to think that we are not making good decisions. So I think it has caused a lot of stress in a lot of people. So thank you for explaining all that. Some things that we kind of want to talk about are dialing in your messaging, filling the top of your funnel and going omni-channel. So let's start with dialing in your messaging. One thing that I always recommend to advertisers is to look at what people are responding to. I think a lot of times we think we know our product, we think we know our audience, or we know our avatar, the ins and outs of the customer, what they care about, what their problems are, and how they want those problems solved. And I think like a big dose of humility would really be helpful here because what I see a lot is that we assume, oh, this is the thing I like, or I've been so close to the product for this long, this is really the thing that I think is different or that works about it. And it's really not what people respond to, especially meeting the product for the first time. Have you had any experience with looking at what people respond to and guiding your advertisers to focus on that? Oh yeah. I think with a lot of clients, one of the things that you've had to pivot from is Facebook, because of these impacts, you still have data and information that is occurring on Facebook, on Instagram. So that data is still there. It's the data that occurs off of the app. When people go to your website, you still have all those comments, those likes, those shares, people engaging with that content. And it is a valuable resource. So when this occurred, and as it's still occurring, because there's still clients who have had impacts on it, and some of it has been very long tail, that you go back, look at content you've run previously, and you start looking at the comments that people have made. And are people positively engaging with it? Is there something about it that's engaging or getting more people to engage with one piece of content over the other. And one of those things you can look in the ad account 
and look at your data points, look at your number of link clicks, look at your click-through rate, your unique click-through rate, and look at those things to kind of get an idea of what people are engaging with. And if you see a comment that has like 75 likes on it, and it's not you know necessarily a negative comment about a product or brand or service, take that, build it out into an ad or two, and that's been really effective for a lot of clients and being able to tailor messaging that is more relevant and resonates more with an audience at that time. And yeah, we're having a hard time relaying that back to a purchase, but we're at this point in time, you know, we've kind of adjusted those metrics and now we're looking at what are people engaging with? And in some respects, it's actually helping more with our content than it was before. Yeah, and I think you're answering people's questions and for every time you see a question or a comment or, a, you know, something people have to say in the comments, you know, there's 10 more people that are not asking that or not saying that, right? So I think it is important to pay attention to those things. Another closely related idea is to look at reviews, right? Look at your reviews, look at your competitors' reviews, and try and pick out some ideas that people are struggling with or people really love about the product. We had a client and they were like really unsure what to focus on in the ad. And we went through a lot of reviews for them. And one thing that really stood out was it had some health benefits, but the flavor of the product was really one of the leading value props. And so that's one thing that we really, really focused on in the ad. And it was to their benefit because that was basically the main objection was, you know, yeah, I can get this, but is it going to taste like chalk? So I do think that looking at reviews, looking at comments, looking where people are engaging, following those threads of gold is really important. And I appreciate that you brought that up, Tom. And mentioning about competitors, one of the things that I've done quite frequently, and a lot of people who are in the space all the time are aware of this, but maybe not a marketing director or someone who is in the ad space all the time. But I will oftentimes go into the ads library and I'll start typing in my competitors or my clients' competitors and look at what messaging are they using? How are they talking about their product? What things are they using? And I'll even try to get those ads to be served to me so I can go in and look at the comments because in ads library, you're not always able to see the comments. But being able to see what pain points your competitors are trying to solve in their content can be super helpful as well. And allowing yourself to find different pieces of content and different ideas of things to target with your ad copy. It's a great segue looking at that and going into the top of funnel because one of the things with the iOS update is that because the update has impacted the tracking off of the app, you're having to rely a bit more on the data that does occur on the app. So when you're working on your top of funnel, a big part of it is making sure that you're building out the right kind of targeting, the right messaging. So you're looking at your customer reviews, you're looking at your competitors' reviews, you're looking at your competitors' ads and seeing what that is, and then starting to use that to build out your top of funnel targeting and going through those kind of efforts. One thing that I think is worth mentioning is that before the iOS update, everyone was always running conversion campaigns. Like it was conversion at the top, middle, and oh, bottom yeah. of the funnel. Like, in fact, I even was part of a program where they basically said part of the audit you want to do on every account is to make sure that all of their campaigns that they're running are of the conversion objective and turn off anything that is not. And while 
while that was relevant then, that is not now. In fact, it causes a problem. And uh, it's what people at HB like to refer to as the spiral of death. <laughs> so what's happening <laughs> is when at the top of the funnel, you're, you're cold prospecting, right? You are targeting broad or you're targeting maybe some interests or you ha- even have a lookalike, which is technically cold. What happens is because if you have a conversion campaign, Facebook is looking within that audience to find people who are most likely to convert because it's been tasked with the conversion. But because they have so little data on their users, they're not really willing to take the risk of putting all the ads in front of this cold audience, right? They haven't been warmed up and they don't have the conversion data from other ads that they've responded to to classify them as conversion users, right? And so what they're really doing that a lot of advertisers are not privy to is instead of keeping that audience as a cold audience, it's incorporating the warm audience into that cold audience. And then it's mostly going after retargeting that warm audience within that ad set. Even though that's not what you're targeting, that's where your ads are serving. So one symptom of this is to look at your retargeting. And if your retargeting has severely gone downhill since the iOS update, you can tell that this is what's happening because Facebook is preferring that higher funnel, probably bigger budget campaign. And they're using that warm audience there. Has that been your experience as well, Tom? Yeah. Facebook, it's such a mixed bag. I feel like at times, depending on who's ad buying and what you're doing. But no, I mean, you're right. Going back to what you're talking about, it used to be that everyone is very conversion heavy. And anytime I look at an ad account that is so conversion heavy, I can immediately tell why their ad costs are going up, why their CPM is going up. I'm sure that you've seen this before, and I've been guilty of it too, of running very conversion heavy ad accounts. I mean, it definitely impacts so much of what you're doing. But then, you know, going along with what you're talking about with the top of funnel efforts, no, I trying to fill that as best as you can with a cold audience and making sure that your mid and bottom of funnel, you're kind of removing those cold audiences and at the top of funnel, making sure that you're more cold audience, more straight up on that. It can definitely help. But if you don't, it definitely has an impact at your mid and bottom funnel. Yeah, totally. What I have seen to be effective at targeting new audiences or really cold audiences at the top of the funnel is to use more than just conversions. And you can use the conversion objective if you use like an add to cart or an initiate checkout as the event, or you can do something like engagement is really effective. Traffic can be really effective if your retargeting is on point. But I think one piece of it that I think is important to mention here too, is to just test into your offers, you know, like just because your offer has consistently converted pre iOS update, it's even more competitive now because Facebook isn't doing all the work for you, right? So you want to make sure that your offers are on point, that you're testing into new offers because you need to be putting the right offer in front of people and make it really, really irresistible, make it really enticing, right? With testing, you know, I know that I've got my testing methodology and things that I've developed over the past few years. When you're looking, you're talking about testing offers. What are some of the things that you have seen be effective with testing? You know, are are you hitting up messaging and copy? Are you doing different creative types? Are you doing brand personality, persona, audiences? Like, how are you hitting those different points with testing? Like, you're talking about testing different offers, but what if someone's not ready to test an offer yet and they're just trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work? How do I pivot in this giant mess as a result of iOS 14.5 so I can get that course correction and get back to where I need to be? Yeah, I think that that's an excellent question. And I think it's important to remember that the offer isn't necessarily like the price point 
right? The offer isn't necessarily like based on price alone, everything that they get, right? So it's the value props that you're focusing on. It's the guarantee. It's the time it takes to get the result. It's so many things that you can test into. And I I think maybe some marketers might consider those things messaging related. I consider them offer related. If you are including the media mentions and you're including testimonials and you're including love it or return it guarantees, those are all things that really boost the confidence of your market, you know, your audience. And those can be the things that really bump up your conversion rate. So, I mean, you could keep the same price, but you could have three or four different angles about what they actually feel like they're getting. You know what I mean? What you mentioned, you know, the messaging and the creative types and the brand personality, those all contribute to the offer. You know, are you going to have an offer that's really data-based? Let's say you have some kind of supplement, right? You could really base your offer on, we've gotten these third-party studies and this is what we get and make it just very like almost sterile feeling. I know that's not a necessarily a great connotated word, but like you can kind of base it. This isn't like a <laughs> male, female thing, but like a very masculine sounding authoritative data-based ad, right? Versus this is how this is going to make you feel, or this is what this has gotten for other people and review, 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 right? Those are very, very different ways of getting the same product in front of your market. And so I would say to me as a marketer, testing your offer is like the most important thing. That is one of the later steps because you really have to build into what actually gets attention. What is your audience actually looking for? Like you have to kind of scaffold your understanding of what you should be saying. And a lot of times the offer is not the first thing you have to test into because you don't have the building blocks to create the offer that will work, you know? And I I like the visual that you brought up of of scaffolding. When I think of scaffolding, you're building layers upon layers to get to where you need to be. As we mentioned, you know, you're dialing your message, you're filling the top of your funnel, and whether you're calling it your offer or your messaging, the big thing is that you're taking your reviews, your competitor reviews, all these different things. For some folks, it's kind of hard. They don't want to test things out in the wild. They don't want to put the content out there for people to see it, but there's no other way without you know paying the money to do focus groups. But even then, a focus group, in my mind, it doesn't correlate to what's going to happen on Facebook because Facebook changes so often. So many times when I'm doing my testing, there might be times where I'm iterating every four weeks or every three weeks on my ad copy, my offer, my messaging, where I'm trying to build things up. But it starts with your offer, your messaging, and and starting there, taking that, and then taking, okay, we we have something that sounds good. People are engaging with it. That's our first level of that scaffolding. But now it's, okay, what image works? Is it someone smiling? Is it someone frowning? When I'm going through and picking different images, I like to have a variety, a, a studio shot, a more lifestyle kind of shot, a shot with someone in it, but maybe not necessarily looking at it. And then someone actually very intently looking at the camera with a big cheesy grin, like, hey, I love this product. So I can see what 
people engage with. And then at that point in time, you can start adding a bit more persona, a bit more personality, but also you can start saying, okay, I have this great ad copy. I have this great imagery. Now I'm going to take it and I'm going to target to, we had one client a year or so ago that it was a shoe brand, great product. A lot of people loved it, but they wanted to try targeting women and specifically pregnant women. So we had some ad copy that was geared more towards that. We tested that. We had some kind of imagery and then we had a video of, in fact, one of our creative directors putting on shoes. And if you've ever, this is going to sound terrible and I'm not trying to take them down at all. I have four children on my own. I've helped my wife put her shoes on many a time, but uh, <laughs> the creative director is trying to put, you know, regular shoes on. And it's just so difficult, especially when you're, you know, seven, eight, nine months pregnant and you're just ready to get rid of this baby. But with the shoe brand, they were able to show just how easy it was to put this on by that time by the time we had that video we had an idea of our audience we had an idea of our messaging and our copy and a kind of creative type and at that point in time you know we were able to use that for our top of funnel we were able to target to a cold audience and really it was just women. We let the creative do the work for us because we knew that we could take it to a broad audience and it would resonate, of course, with pregnant women, but also just women in general. I don't wanna put my shoes on. I don't wanna tie them. I can just slip them on and away we go. And at that point in time, you know, kind of this third component that we talked about and mentioned is taking that content and moving it to different platforms, different channels, now looking at other creators. And I've seen that client take that messaging that they tested long ago I mean, with iOS and everything else with that, they've gone through this process of filling their top of funnel. And now I'll be on TikTok and I'll see ads of women talking about how busy their lives are with children and how easy it is to put on shoes. So it's nice to have an idea and a place of going back to that scaffolding idea and bringing things forward and building them up from the top up and then how it impacts as you move forward and helps you build a lot of what you want to do and accomplish. Yeah. I that was really long-winded. <laughs> no, it's all good. I think that was an excellent example. What I especially love about that example is like the, you know, you could be really broad in your messaging and very, for lack of a better word, niche people are not necessarily going to take that broad message and apply it to themselves. But if you go real niche with your message, then a general broader audience will get the idea and see how it applies to them. So I think it's a safer bet to start with really niche problems and instead of start with really broad problems, because I think it works niche to broad, but it doesn't necessarily work broad to niche because I think people who are have very specific situations can't necessarily see themselves in the broad, like, um, you know, like people who have migraines might not respond to something that just talks about headaches, but people who have headaches will most likely respond to something that talks about migraines unless they're like, oh, I don't have a migraine. I mean, they're going to know that, okay, migraines are more in intense. So this will probably work for me, whereas it doesn't work the other way around. And you could, you could do that with any example. You know, you say something like you're describing a, a chair and you just say, and she sat in a chair and people can't really visualize that because what does a chair look like? There isn't like a general chair. I mean, you know, there's a seat, but like if you describe like a crushed velvet 
forest green wing back chair with rivets. Okay, now we really know that it's a chair, right? We know exactly what that looks like and we can visualize it. When you're really looking to cast a wider net, it's, it doesn't sound very intuitive, but it actually does work to go more niche and then put that niche messaging in front of a wider audience. Exactly like what you talked about with the pregnancy angle for shoes. Well, a lot of people are going to be like, oh man, I struggle with putting my shoes on. I'm not pregnant, but I can see how this will apply to me. Yeah. And the thing that I liked about that approach and I like about that approach because we launched this campaign and we started moving forward with things in between like Q1, Q2, 2021. So this is when iOS 14.5 was really, like really starting to understand the impact of it. And, you know, that full impact started to roll out at the end of Q2. And that's when a lot of marketers and a lot of companies were like, crap, how do we deal with this? And I looked at this client and while everyone else is trying to find ways to cope with this, they were finding ways to lean into this even more. Facebook may have its faults with getting data and information back from a website, but if you can find a way to lean into that data from on-app reactions, on-app engagement, and those metrics, then you can find an opportunity to lean into something that can be really effective and build things out for the long term and go cross-platform, go omni-channel as you know, business cliche as that is, you can start going omni-channel to email, SMS, you start going to other advertising platforms and yeah, you're still testing, but you have something that you've found and has worked and worked well. Now you can build it out and really kind of see where it takes you at that point in time, but you're still leveraging a platform. It has its faults, but you're still making the best of it in a post iOS world. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's really important to be on multiple channels. You know, I mean, as we saw, Facebook was hit the hardest with this iOS update, right? Not nearly as bad on other channels. And we know this is not the last update we're ever going to see. There's been a history of them, not just with Apple. And we will continue to see this. So it's like, you know, diversify, get your name out there on multiple channels. There are users who use multiple channels, but there are users who don't, right? I mean, there are people who will only use Instagram or only use Pinterest or only use Twitter, although we really try to avoid those type of people. (laughs) Um, Or or only use TikTok. Or only use TikTok. You know, so I think it's just a smart move to divide your budget between multiple platforms. And I think engaging with creators is really important. Trying to find the people that fit your brand really well, whether or not they have an audience on these platforms, it can help. Sometimes it doesn't always help, you know. So getting the right creative for your brand per platform, because all platforms, they're different. You can't necessarily port one type of creative from one platform to another and have it work. And I also think looking at different benchmarks. So like like your click-through rate on LinkedIn cannot be compared to your click-through rate on Facebook or Instagram. Your view length on YouTube cannot be compared to your view length on TikTok. Each of these platforms have to have their own benchmarks for your business. And then you really just compare yourself to yourself per channel. That's kind of the way that I look at it. Do you, t- do you get that take or anything else? Yeah, you can't paint everyone with the same paintbrush. That was you know a struggle that I ran into years ago when Facebook was really kind of rolling out and it was in its heyday and you could spend $10 and generate $100. I sure miss those days. Mm-hmm. Oh man, those are glorious days. But <laughs> Just have um, a moment of silence for those glorious days. Amen to that. But... <laughs> 
I think one of the things that does help with that or can help with that, and I think that this post iOS world has brought these kinds of tools that much more to the forefront than they were before. I mean, having a dedicated attribution tool, if you're not familiar with that, an attribution tool is basically a fancy way of having kind of someone else outside of Google, outside of Facebook or TikTok or Pinterest or whatever that can help map out where purchasers are coming from, whether it's, you know, do they see a Facebook ad? Do they see a TikTok ad? Do they see an Instagram ad, then a Google ad, then get an email and then finally make a purchase? And in this post iOS world, you can't say a Facebook user is the same as a Google user just on their own because their intent is so vastly different. Mm -hmm. But with like an attribution tool and the hard thing is that they can be so expensive. I've vetted some out that are $50 a month and some that are as much as $2,500 a month. And they're great, but the big thing is that they can help it so you level that playing field of, yes, I'm spending money on all these platforms, but at the end of the day, am I making a positive impact? And if I'm not, you know, with a tool like this, you can dig in and see which platform is not performing up to snuff. If you don't have a tool like that, then you do have to get a bit more into the weeds. You do have to perform a little bit of guesswork, but yeah, you definitely can't paint them all with the same paintbrush. You have to look at them and measure them each, you know, individually. There are some things that you can start saying like, hey, you know, I've got a client right now. I'm running some Google ads for, we're running YouTube and our cost to get someone to watch a YouTube video is about as comparable to what we're doing on Facebook. But the big thing is that on YouTube, because that intent is different, we're getting people to watch a two minute video and they're watching like 25, 45% of the video. On Facebook, we're paying about the same, but we're only getting people to watch 20 seconds of the video, which compared to the rest of Facebook metrics is about double the average watch time. So that's great, but we're having to measure success differently based on the platform. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's the key, really. I love that you said that. One thing I do want to kind of bring up very, very quickly, I don't want to dwell on it, but if your email and SMS are more than like 30% of your revenue, you really have an issue with how you're handling paid social. And I mean, like paid social kind of as a broad term, I'm including in there YouTube, Google, you know, like paid search and well, maybe not necessarily paid search, but like TikTok, those kinds of things, because like you should be getting some activity from all channels, right? But like if a large percentage of your revenue is from email and SMS, then it's like there's something broken in the funnel there. We need to figure out why aren't people converting from these higher up the funnel channels and how deep into leaning into your nurture series do you have to go? And I think that if that's the case, you want to learn more about that. Our consulting team is really adept at helping you understand what that really means. But I think what you said about the attribution tool is really important. And if you really don't understand where your revenue is coming from, that's probably highest priority for you. So... Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. You, you kind of want to know that. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not easy. It's a puzzle for sure. But I do think figuring out a source of truth and kind of sticking to it, unless it's Facebook ads manager, then you should not be sticking to that whatsoever. But you do want to, you know, whether you're leaning into Google Analytics or you're leaning into something like a Hyros or something like a Wicked Reports or something like a Triple Whale. I mean, those are just some examples. We're not promoting any of those, but you kind of just want to lean into 
into it and compare your metrics within that and not really, I mean, you don't want to be comparing a Wicked Reports with a Google Analytics, right? I mean, Tom, you could tell some stories there, right? But like, you're not ever going to be content because you're always looking at two different sources of truth and they're not going to stack up and it's going to drive you absolutely insane. And there will be arguments and blood in the water. The big thing is just bringing this all in. I mean, the, the idea of how do you pivot with iOS updates? And we talked about some big things that, you know, you have seen impact businesses that I've seen impact businesses. And it starts with going back and dialing in that message and, and that messaging, whether it's your offer, ad copy, whatever, and kind of building that out and kind of the scaffolding approach and using that to fill your top of funnel and, you know, running traffic campaign or a video view campaign or a post engagement campaign. So it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg to get people to see your content. That is one of the great things of Facebook is that you can get to a lot of eyeballs and have a lot of people see your content for not a lot of money. But as you refine what you're doing, you can be more efficient about what you're doing with your advertising dollars. That's where I think a lot of people kind of miss those things and they miss small things, just like what you're saying with email and SMS. You know, for some people that might be something that's not on the radar. Hopefully now it's on their radar. And as we were talking about attribution tools, there's probably a lot of people that hasn't been on their radar. Now, hopefully it is because as you're going through this and you start moving omni-channel with these things, having a tool to objectively look at all of your efforts and kind of tie it all in is in many ways kind of kind of make and break your digital marketing efforts. Sometimes you got to get a little bit more scrappy and do it, you know, by hand with an Excel spreadsheet. I've done that before and it's super tedious, but it can be highly effective. Or if you're using a tool like a Triple Well, a Leads RX, Wicked Reports, or any of the other dozens out there, hopefully a lot of this just helps people get things on their radar so that they realize that, yeah, the post iOS world, it's a lot more difficult than what it was 18 months ago, but that doesn't mean you still can't find success. Love that. Well, I think this has been really helpful. I think we're probably good to wrap it up. If anybody does need to bounce something off Tom or bounce something off me, you're welcome to email us. My email is Britt, B-R-I-T-T at HarmanBrothers.com and Tom is T T-O-M at harmanbrothers.com. You're welcome to reach out to us with your particular questions. And if we can't answer them, we will try and connect you with the people that will be able to. So (laughs) thank you for your time. And we will talk to you later. If you liked this podcast, even a little bit, send the link to your business buddies because friends give friends good podcast recommendations.